Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, a conversation about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and today I'm joined by Dr. Sam Storms. Dr. Storms is the lead pastor for preaching and vision at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. He is a council member for the Gospel Coalition. He's on the board of directors at Desiring God, and he was recently elected to be vice president of the Evangelical Theological Society. We're going to talk to Dr. Storms about two of his uh, most recent books. His first one is Packer on the Christian Life, kind of an examination of the life and theology of J.I. Packer. And we'll also talk to him about his work with the ESV Men's Devotional Bible that he was uh, general editor of. It's a great resource uh, for men, for church leaders, for men's ministries. We're going to discuss the life and legacy of J.I. Packer and his impact on the evangelical world on Dr. Storm's own ministry. And also we're going to touch on uh, men's ministry and how pastors and church leaders and churches can really help men connect with God, lead their families well, and uh, be good leaders in the community. Before we begin with Dr. Sam Storms, I want to remind you about my new book, The Original Jesus, which is out from Baker Books. This was a fun book to work on. In this book, I take 10 sort of caricatures of Jesus that we tend to drift toward as uh, followers of Christ and sort of deconstruct those and uh, try to point a better way to the real Jesus, not the Jesus we make in our own minds. There's information about this book on my website, danieldarling.com. If you click on the link there, uh, you can download a sample chapter or you can order the book in ebook or paper book format. But for now, let's join our conversation with Dr. Sam Storms. Well, I want to thank Sam Storms for joining me here on the Way Home Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, I'm glad to be with you today. So there's there's several things we could talk about. Particularly, I wanted to speak a little bit about men and ministry to men. You just worked on a massive project, a men's devotional Bible that's available that I've heard nothing but great things about from a lot of folks. What was one thing that sort of inspired you to work on a project like this? What is it that you're seeing as a pastor, as a ministry leader uh, that men are needing today? Sure. Um, I was asked to um, to be the general editor of the ESV Men's Devotional Bible by uh, Crossway, and particularly by Dane Ortland, who mm-hmm. oversees their Bible division. And the idea was that put, that we would put together not a study Bible, so it's not like the ESV study Bible with extensive notes at the bottom of each page, but rather we would put together a Bible that addressed issues not exclusively, but uniquely uh, characteristic of men, uh, issues that they face on a daily basis, and that we would provide 365 daily devotions, so one for each day of the year. Uh, They're short. Uh, Each of them can be read in three to five minutes. Uh, We went through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and selected, um, and again, largely dependent on how long each book was, selected a handful of the most important texts, and then we um, solicited the uh, contributions of some incredible pastors and theologians, mainly pastors, all around the country and around the world. And uh, they wrote these devotional studies, and I edited them, and we also have introductions to each book. We have um, about 15 or 16 articles at the end of the uh, devotional Bible, which 
um, focus on things like well, what is a man's identity? Um, you know, what about issues of uh, being a parent, uh, a father, um, a husband? What about singleness? Um, you know, what a man's inner life, life in the local church, a man's work? I mean, all sorts of issues that are somewhat unique to men and the challenges they face today. So uh, the Bible's been out for, gosh, I don't know exactly how long, a little bit less than a year, and I think it's doing really well. Um, it comes in a variety of formats, but it's extremely well put together. So, you know, we uh, we pushed it here at Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City uh, over Christmas and promoted it as a perfect gift for husbands and fathers and sons and I mean, we sold several hundred copies of it. It was remarkable, and everybody has just raved about it. So I'm excited mm. about it. When you think about ministry to men, you know, you think of um, in the last 10, 20, maybe 30 years, the rise of men's ministries, which I think is largely good. But obviously, in our culture, it's no secret, and people across the ideological spectrum have said there is sort of a manhood crisis. For churches that are thinking about ministry to men, for pastors specifically, what advice do you give? Well, I think you're right that there are some unique challenges that have arisen in the past uh, 10 to 20 years, uh, uh, not least of which is the challenge presented by the Internet and the immediate access to pornography, in which tragically a high percentage of men are to some extent involved and and even more tragically, a good many uh, thoroughly addicted to it. And that creates its own set of problems. Uh, I think that one of the things that I have seen uh, fairly consistently, not only in our church, but really in, in churches across the spectrum, is the tendency for men to um, move to one of two extremes. Um, either they become bullies, and they are domineering, and they think that being uh, the head of the home and the head of their wife entails making every decision and exerting a control over their families that basically crushes and and um, really quenches the Spirit of God in the lives of their wife and their kids. Mm -hmm. Or they go to the other end of the spectrum, and they are passive uh, cowards, and they withdraw, and they hide for fear of being exposed as inadequate. Um, I mean, I, I think probably most of your listeners will recall in the about the last 10 years or so, there was this renewal among, among men, and in many mm -hmm. ways it was good. It was calling men to be real men and, and, um, and not to be passive, but it, it almost justified in the minds of many mm -hmm. this idea that, well, if I'm going to be a real man of God, that means that I need uh, to boss uh, around my family. Um, I need to uh, put my wife in submission. Um, and, it, and it almost became this angry, domineering, even at times profane approach mm -hmm. to masculinity, which I think is a very serious distortion mm -hmm. of the Word of God. And um, I'm glad to say that I'm seeing that kind of notion or that emphasis on that particular form of masculinity diminish. And I think men are coming more to realize that headship in the home does not mean that you're a bully or that you're insensitive to the needs and the of your wife and your family. Uh, but of course, at the other end of the spectrum, as I said, you know, there are those men that work all day, come home, uh, fall asleep in their chair, um, 
get glued to the TV or hide behind a newspaper. And they never engage with their families. They never press into the heart of their wife or their children. And they're so terrified of being challenged or asked to do or to say something for which they don't have the ability. And they're terrified of being exposed as inadequate and incompetent. So it's this this very sad uh, gravitational extreme from one end of the spectrum to the other. And I I think that the, the portrait that is set forth in the ESV Men's Devotional Bible is one in which men really are Christ-like in their love and leadership in their families, and that there is a, there is a place both for strength but also for tenderness. And hopefully there a bit more biblically holistic portrait of what a Christian man should be is represented in these devotionals and what we've tried to accomplish. And that's what I think, getting back to your question, that's kind of a roundabout way, mm-hmm. I think that's the focus that local churches need to take. They mm-hmm. need to realize that men are being pushed to one of these two extremes in, and calling it um, you know, mm-hmm. Christianity. And I don't think either one of those is remotely similar to what the Bible presents. You know, I spent some time on that in my, my book, The Original Jesus, because I feel like the two extremes you laid out are exactly true where it's either passivity that kills, you know, and we've been talking about that for a while, rightly. But I also think there's a sort of construct of of manhood that you're not a real man unless you're hunting and fishing and, you know, wearing camo and all this rah-rah, you know, MMA stuff. You got to like uh, mixed martial arts, cage fighting, and you got to be willing to go out and kill creatures. Yeah. You know, and and of course, I have, there's nothing inherently wrong with mixed martial arts or hunting. Uh, I don't do either one, but that doesn't make me less of a Christian man and a any less strong as a leader or any less Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder, too, that sometimes we failed to let men know what manhood, what, what being like Christ looks for them with their unique giftings and callings. And, and specifically, I just think, you know, I think of someone like my father who wasn't a pastor or a missionary. He was a plumber. He was a blue-collar worker, great guy, faithful uh, to church, always felt like he was second class in the church because he wasn't... Um, you know, getting a paycheck from a Christian organization. And so, you know, his work was somehow not as not as important. And, and I wonder if men suffer from that in the church, feeling like what they do from Monday through Friday is sort of not that important except to, you know, sort of pay the bills and tithe and maybe slip a couple tracks under the cubicle or something. Well, first of all, and I know you'd agree with this, there is great, great virtue and Christ-exalting worth in working to pay the bills, providing for your Mm. family, no matter what kind of work that may be, whether it's as a professional or as a day laborer. Mm. So um, men need to understand that there is is value in that, and it is pleasing to the Lord. Um, But I think the real problem is the issue of identity. Um, So many men uh, have their identity, their sense of uh, who am I and what am I worth and why am I here and do I matter? is wrapped up in either the size of the paycheck or the nature of their career instead of building their identity based on who they are in Christ and what he has done for them and what he has called them to be. So establishing, in fact, we have an excellent article in the ESV Bible by David Pallison on a man's identity. Mm. And um, he addresses that that very subject that um, our identity has to be defined by God and all that he is for us in Jesus and what we have become by his grace rather than based on a, a career trajectory or the size of a paycheck. Mm. 
That's such a good word. I want to pivot a little bit. Besides this this great resource that you've created for men, uh, you also recently worked on a biography of sorts about J.I. Packer as part of this great series that Crossway has put together that I just love, taking some of the um, the greats, the, the Christian leaders, and, and really sort of gleaning from their best works and how they thought through the Christian life. So I guess, first of all... Um, if you could just say, you know, what has J.I. Packer meant to your life uh, personally? And, and then I guess secondly, what did you find uh, in this project that really, you know, really inspired you? Sure. Um, first of all, it's technically speaking not a biography. Um, the best biography of J.I. Packer actually was uh, released late last year, written by Leland Riken, mm-hmm. published by Crossway mm-hmm. also. Um, the focus of my book uh, and the others in that series is the particular individual's theology of the Christian life. So it's not it's not so much um, what does J.I. Packer say about every theological issue. It's not a systematic theology of Packer's thought. Mm. It is rather his his thinking, his writing, and his point of view on the nature of what it is to live as a Christian man or woman. Packer has had an incredible influence on me. I started reading his uh, books way back. I can't even remember, decades ago, I think the first one I read was Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. Um, I read his book, Fundamentalism and the Word of God, which came out in the 50s. In fact, that was his first published work. Mm. I think he's probably most well-known for his volume, Knowing God, uh, which is, gosh, I don't know how many hundred thousands of copies have have Mm -hmm. been uh, printed. But Packer, I guess the unique appeal he has had for me is as much in his demeanor, his personality. Um, One individual has called him the consummate Christian gentleman. Uh, And what he means by that is there's nobody that is more committed to orthodox truth than J.I. Packer on on virtually every Christian doctrine. Uh, And he has been involved in some really heated skirmishes over the decades, both in uh, England and here in North America. He now lives in Vancouver in in, uh, British Columbia, Mm -hmm. Canada. And yet, through it all, he conducted himself with such humility and such a calm spirit. And when he needed to speak hard things and take a definitive stand, he did it. But he did it in a way that captivates you rather than offends you. So, he may be the clearest writer that I've that I've ever come across. Some people have been frustrated with Packer. They said, "Here is a man whose mind is uh, one of the greatest theological minds of uh, of the 20th century," and so they have wanted him to write deep theological, highly technical treatises, and and yet he hasn't chosen to do that. He mm-hmm. he writes what might be called devotional theology. Mm. And it's theology, it's it's heady, it's a challenge, but it's designed all the time and in every way to awaken and deepen our devotion for God. It is he he writes for the what I would call the average adult, fairly well educated layperson. He doesn't necessarily write for the scholar, he doesn't write for the academy, uh, but he writes for serious Christians mm-hmm. who um uh, who basically are, you know, what would they be, 95% of the people who fill our churches. Mm-hmm. And he just has a way of communicating and connecting deep biblical truth in an understandable way with people from every walk of life. So I, I've just, 
I've loved him. He's a he's a good friend. Um, he's going to turn ninety years old here mm-hmm. in a few months, and uh, he's just a remarkable Christian man. I, I've heard that said about him that personally, he's one of the kindest and sweetest souls that you could meet, which is a really remarkable trait for someone of his success and stature. Uh, you don't always see that, as you well know, among sadly among Christian leaders. But I, I like how you you talked about devotional theology. Uh, you know, as a pastor. He's one of those guys, particularly knowing God, that you could give that book to somebody in your church who maybe has not been to seminary and, you know, is a sort of lay person and isn't swimming in all this stuff like we are, but yet they can understand theology. Yeah, I, in fact, I've had people ask me, they said, Sam, maybe my interest isn't so much in just in J.I. Packer, but I, I need a guide for Christian living. I mm-hmm. say, this is the book for you, <laughs> mm-hmm. because I... Um, you know, I have a chapter on um, kind of the foundation for our Christian living, the atoning death of Jesus, and how Packer unpacks the uh, uh, the truth of the cross work of Christ. Uh, I have a chapter on the authority for Christian living, which focuses on the role of the Bible. How does it function, and what is holiness, and uh, what is what is the meaning of sanctification? How does God actually change us inside? I have a whole chapter on uh, Romans 7 and the battle with indwelling sin and the role of the Holy Spirit and a chapter on prayer, mm-hmm. a chapter on uh, how to discern the will of God, how to, um, how to persevere through suffering. Uh, and then, you know, given the fact that Packer is, uh, as I said, he's going to be 90 this summer, uh, I have a concluding chapter on um, how to end well. Mm-hmm. In other words, how to how to fight all the way to the end, uh, to the glory of Christ. So, mm. um, you know, it's really, uh, it, it is really what the subtitle suggests. It is a theology of the Christian life. Uh, it's, it's less so a theology of Packer and more so an attempt to understand what Christian living is all about with the help and the aid of a man who uh, has a has a unique perspective in our day. So that's mm-hmm. really the focus of the book. Was there anything that surprised you as you were, you know, researching and preparing to write this book? Anything that surprised you about his writing or his ministry yeah. or his uh, life? One thing in particular, um, it, it was an incredible journey because I, um, Packer is, has written so much mm-hmm. and I've got two full shelves on, um, in my study of books just by J.I. Packer. And I went back and did my best over the span of about two years to read everything that he had written, and especially focusing in on, on uh, you know, his theology of the Christian life. And what kept coming up over and over and over again was the Christ-centered devotion of the man. Uh, he'll be writing on some deep theological issue, and then right in the middle of a chapter or an article or a book, he'll stop and um, direct our attention to a hymn uh, Hmm. from one of the great hymn writers in the history of the church, or a poem, or in some way uh, telling us, don't just fill your head with these ideas. Let the reality of who God is for you in Jesus touch you in the depths of your heart. And I guess what I'm talking about, again, it's a little bit of that devotional theology, but it's very, very Christ-centered. It's Christocentric, and at every turn, Packer is directing you back to the person of Jesus and um, and basically saying, look, 
your knowledge is only good to the extent that it awakens in you a love for the beauty of Christ. And I think that was the thing that struck me, because you don't read a whole lot of theologies these days in which the, you know, the writer is, or the theologian is, has as his ultimate goal love and devotion. You know, Packer has a statement. He said, a theology that cannot be sung is not a theology worth learning. And uh, he puts his theology to, to singing uh, in adoration and devotion to the Lord. And that was a, that was a real eye-opener for me. Mm. If you could—this <laughs> is hard to do, but if you could summarize Packer's life and ministry, you know, in a couple of words, what does Packer have to say, I guess, to this generation of pastors and church leaders? Well, there are a couple of ways of doing that. Let me give you two real quickly. First of all, what he would say is the greatest need of the church today, and he and he says this, uh, especially in his more recent writings. Mm-hmm. It's a word that maybe some of our listeners are familiar with, and it's the word catechesis. Mm. Packer laments mm. the fact that the church has failed to instruct its people in the fundamentals of the faith. Mm. And catechesis is simply a word dis- describing the strategic education of God's people in biblical truth. And um, he even has co-authored a book on this very subject, and he gives an outline in a, of how this can be done in the local church. So he carries a real burden for what could only be called the biblical and theological illiteracy of so many in the professing Christian church. So that's a major uh, concern of his. Uh, also, the kind of the subtitle to this book is Knowing God in Christ, Walking by the Spirit. And those two themes are central. He really does believe, and I agree with him, that there is going to be no success in the Christian life if we live in ignorance of God. And the revelation of who God is is found in Jesus. And then Packer is also very much a theologian of the Holy Spirit. He writes so much on the role of the Spirit in uh, Christian living. He's not a charismatic by any stretch of the imagination, but he has a robust and uh, expansive view of the role of the Spirit. And it's one that uh, unfortunately, a lot of theologians uh, oftentimes neglect, but those are the—I think those are the things that he would most want me to say on his behalf—are are really crucial for the life of Christian people today. Thank you, uh, Sam Storm, for these two great resources: this Men's Devotional Bible, and then, of course, this uh, great book on uh, J.I. Packer and his his teaching and his application to the Christian life. Thank you so much for creating these. I encourage uh, all my listeners to go get those, and thank you for joining me today on the Way Home Podcast. Well, you're very welcome. It's good being with you. Well, that was a great conversation with Sam Storms about the life and legacy of J.I. Packer, and also about the importance of men's ministry, men's discipleship. I encourage you to get both of those resources that we mentioned They'll be linked to on my website at danieldarling.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you do us a favor and write a review on iTunes? That just kind of helps spread the word and lets other people know. Also, if you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can go to danieldarling.com, click on the podcast page, and we'll have them all there for you. Uh, Also, a reminder, my book, Original Jesus, is available in print and ebook format. You can see a link to that on my website as well. But for now, thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. The Way Home is recorded 
recorded and produced by Gary Lancaster. Research is conducted by David Clausen, and scheduling is handled by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Thank you.